Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. I tried to put a little more flourish on it. What do you think? What do you mean? On the intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was waiting for you to say, like, welcome back or something even saucier like that. But... Oh, that's as much as I got. Yeah, it does sound good. All right, so I guess we'll just get started, Chris. What have you been watching? Uh, the only really notable thing I've been watching is Chernobyl, and I just don't mm. want to talk about that at all. It's a great show. Uh, more power to you. I'm not going to add it to the discussion. I'm not going to come up with some brilliant theory about it. You know, I'm not going to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, what I do want to talk about, which is more on brand anyway, is yesterday, I think, we're recording this in June, they released the trailer to the new Shining sequel. Yes. Dr. Sleep. Yes. Um, which is directed by uh, um, your boy, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yes. Um, who so far, as far as I know, hasn't done anything, you know, bad really right he's yeah. been pretty consistent uh and it's based on the sequel that stephen king wrote uh and appears to be some sort of combination of stephen king's sequel and the actual movie universe of the shining which is kind of funny because you know stephen king hates the stanley kubrick movie does he still though that I, was well i don't know i mean i i think that's probably blown i think he's still disappointed in it how well, I have a theory about that. I mean, okay. if you want to talk about it. Like, well, it's just, it's also like uh, over the years, it seems like he would have seen how influential it was. I think he would agree that it's a good movie and a classic and all that. I think he doesn't like what it did to his material. Hmm. And my theory is that, like, imagine like you get a call and it's Stanley Kubrick, the best director ever. And he's like, I want to adapt your material. And you're like a young writer at that point. That must be huge, hugely flattering. And like, you know, a big deal and uh-huh. you have this great relationship and you are, you know, I've read all the stories, like they have these late night phone calls about the meaning of death and things like that. Uh, and then he sees a movie and it's like, almost like Stanley Kubrick didn't like his material so much. Mm. And maybe that was, I think that's kind of the genesis of this. Like he, like he also maybe got his feelings hurt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Because that's, of all of his, most of the time he doesn't really care about what happens with his movies. And yeah. As is like, you know, evidence by 80% of the movies being terrible. <laughs> Um, and he just doesn't really care. He just puts it out of his mind. But that one being more of a personal book to him, um, and I think that has something to do with it. Mm. Um, but anyway, so the the movie, I think it is funny that you know Stanley, Stephen King wrote a sequel, and he's took pains to say this is a sequel to the book, uh, and then the movie comes out, and it's just right back to the <laughs> Stanley Kubrick version. So I'm sure he's like great, but uh, but he did send a nice tweet saying the movie is uh, going to blow everyone's minds. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess he's seen it. Did, um, have you read Dr. Sleep? I did, yeah. When did uh, that come out? This decade, I don't know. Not, right. You know, it's fairly one of his more recent ones. It's a good book. Um, it's definitely not even tonally similar to the movie, the original movie, or really even the, the original book. It's a different animal altogether. Uh, you know, it's about the kid, for sure. And thematically, it's similar, but it's, it doesn't take place, like, for instance, at the hotel or anything like that. But the movie looks really interesting, and, um, and I, I'm kind of blown away that they, the director actually reshot some right. of the sequences from The Shining, um, which, you know, that is nowhere as far as I remember in the book. Maybe I just, I, I guess there's a lot of flashbacks probably. I don't really remember. Um, 
but anyway, it looks incredible. I'm very excited about it. We will definitely do an episode when it comes out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, we'll have to do The Shining first. Yeah, yeah, maybe we could do them back-to-back or something. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And it's Halloween time. Yes. I guess that was a, not a very good one I've been watching, but this was just one you I wanted to You should watching talk. the trailer or whatever. Right. What, what do you think about Ewan McGregor? I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what have you been watching? Well, I, a movie I watched on Netflix, I watched The Perfection, which was really good. And that's with um, Marnie from yes. Girls, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I heard there was something very gross in it, maybe, or like. I've read things about people like well, having so to turn why, it off. Well, yeah, there was something that that's the first thing I saw that someone they were saying that people had turned it off. They so were getting press sick. Play. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, I gotta watch that. I, and I think I I went out that night and I came home and I stayed up till like one thirty watching it. I thought, well, I'll just start it and then you know I'll finish it. And I couldn't turn it off. Okay, what I, mean, I don't even know what it is really. It's what is just it? twist upon twist upon twist. Is it a thriller though? I mean, it's it's I mean it's horror. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't even know that. I mean, so it starts out with Allison Williams, and she's like this great cellist, but she had to step away from her cello dreams <laughs> because her mom was sick. And so we start with this, and then she, her mom passes away, and so she goes back into the fancy orchestra world, and but there's this new young cellist who has kind of replaced her, and so you think... There's going to be some rivalry and things going on, but then there's all these secrets and you think it's going one way and it goes the other way and then you think it's going another way and then it goes the other way. Oh, I mean, is it kind of like a black swan type situation or? Um, kind of. Uh, I mean, it kind of has that, that similar kind of tone if you're thinking about it as these two rival people in the arts. But beyond that, there's not a lot in common with it. So you recommend it? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch it. It's really good. And so, uh, what are we drinking? In honor of our movie this week, which is, uh, you know, if you haven't guessed it yet, Crimson Peak, which we're very excited about. Um, you've made some Bloody Marys. Yes. And do you want to talk about the ingredients uh, you've used here? Well, I used rum instead of vodka because I didn't want to go buy vodka. And it tastes just the same. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. You're using a spicy rum. Oh, no, uh, a spicy um, Bloody Mary mix. Oh, yeah. okay. Do you really want to give away the... I mean, I know they're not sponsoring us, but... I don't remember what it's called. Dirty Girl? Something like that, because yeah. the cashier was... Yeah, the cashier really got excited yes. about it. But she kept saying, Dirty Girl. Yeah. I did not know what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I was looking at my t-shirt, and I was like, I'm wearing like a 5K t-shirt. I don't know. And I was like, I thought maybe there's a song that came on, like, like Christina Aguilera came on or something. I had no idea. But yeah, so it's like Dirty Girl, Spicy, something. Right. And then mine has two... Olive stuff with blue cheese, but they fell down to the bottom, and I'm bummed because I really want to eat them. Well, I will say the the Bloody Mary looks just like the uh, you know the red clay in the movie. It does, uh, but it's delicious. Yeah. Um, there's no Mary in the movie, I don't think, but and but there's blood. Well, yeah, and it's just the, the idea yeah. of um, Bloody Mary. Did you ever play that game mm-hmm. as a kid? And so the idea is that you're supposed to see what is it? This ghost covered in blood, right? That's what when what we said that she would sh- appear behind you and she'd be covered in blood that kind of all these ghosts seem to be covered in blood that's what they look like because they're in the yeah i just remember not really ever hearing about that until candy man came out so we would because candy man is like the same thing oh right? right so we would just play candy man <laughs> yeah you know, a bunch of you know white kids in alabaster alabama <laughs> yeah i hope uh jordan peele is still gonna be doing he said he's gonna be doing the remake oh yeah remember that a remake? i had no idea said that a while ago, but he has so much going on. He's got on. a lot of his plate. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and he could do anything he wanted, so I'm sure it's hard to decide what to do next. Have you seen the new Twilight Zone yet? No. Have you? <laughs> no, I have not. So that's what we've been watching. <laughs> you don't have to cut that. I, I don't actually remember ever making it to the last Bloody Mary. I remember going into the bathroom, closing the door, and looking in the mirror, and not being able to even get to that point because I well, was scared How many myself. times do you have to say it? Five times? Ten times? Three yeah, times? I don't remember. <laughs> it was either three to five. I don't remember. Three sounds about right, yeah. So you say, are you supposed to have the lights off? I think so. Okay, yeah, that's terrifying. I don't think I ever actually did a true Bloody Mary. I think it was always Candyman. <laughs> Which was scary. So. Yeah. So, Chris, Crimson Peak is another uh, 2015 movie. Well, this is our fourth, I think, 2015 movie. Really? Okay, so what? The Witch? The Invitation. It Follows. Okay. And then this. Well, what made... I mean, this was one of your picks. Um, so, I guess I'm curious what made you... Because you're pretty insistent on picking I was. Yeah, Peak. for some reason, it just... Yeah. I just... I remember... Because I, I only saw it once. I remember just loving the look of it yeah. and... Then not being able to get a chance to get back to it, and then I actually had a had an idea of where I was going to do the H. H. Holmes mur- murder based on this because of the murder castle and stuff, and so I think that was in my head too. But when I rewatched the movie and I started researching things again, I went a different direction with the true crime. Mm. So because a Devil in the White City is like my favorite book, and so at some point I want to do H. H. Holmes, but then I was thinking we could just wait till the Hulu series comes out. And watch it. I thought, like, Leo DiCaprio was doing something with that. Is that not a thing anymore? No, yeah. Him and... Well, okay. So, this has been since, like, 2006 or so. Okay. They, uh, Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio said they were going to make a movie. And I've been waiting so patiently. And so, finally, they're going to make it into a Hulu series, which still could be great. But, I mean, it probably won't be starring Leonardo DiCaprio. I, they, I don't know. Like, that's what I said a few He's years ago. He's not going to do TV. George Clooney did. He, did he go back to... T- oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, well. But I was saying, this is probably like five years ago when they are talking about it again. I remember saying something to Brian about how I didn't think, and you know how I love Leo. I would never say anything. But he's getting, he's 40 now. I mean, he didn't look 40, but. He's getting to look like he's 40. But I mean, H.H. H. Holmes was, he started out, I mean, I assume if they're starting out showing him, I mean, he'd be in his 20s. Oh, yeah. Well, they could do that de-aging thing that he did. Oh, that's so weird, though. Yeah, that is weird. Or maybe he could just pull it off. Maybe, I bet he could. But I want the whole Devil in the White City. So it sounds like you were interested in doing Crimson Peak because of the true crime element that you were already thinking about. Yes. Okay. But then I changed my mind anyway. But then I'm glad that we went back and watched this yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm glad. Because when, when you first said that, I thought, okay, well, you know, why not? But I remember when I first watched it you know, years ago, it didn't make a huge impression on me. I mean, I liked it. But I remember thinking like, okay, well, that was a little bit maybe not as good as I thought. Or, but as of all, I've watched it three times in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, because we've been meaning to do this episode a couple different times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things, things come up. But um, so I'm glad you picked it. Uh, it wasn't really on my radar before doing this. I mean, I forgot what it was even really about, to be honest with you. It just, it just didn't leave a mark. I remember like a house. I remember right. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> I remember the general vibe. I forgot Jessica Chastain was in it. I mean, right. I've, I've got all that stuff. And okay. I probably just watched it like super late one night or something. It, you know, but it's a. I, and I guess also when I think about it, I just think about all the colors that are in it and the imagery, and I just... It's definitely I, the... Maybe aside from Dracula, it's probably the prettiest horror movie yeah. we've done. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing can touch Dracula. Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry for even saying that, but, but I, I was reading, actually. Um, I read you know a lot of interviews after watching it like the second or third time when Jessica Chastain said that she used to dress like Mina from Dracula. 
Like she and oh, her friends really? were like huge fans of it. So one of the reasons she wanted to do this movie was to like because she was such like a fan that. of you know that you know or that kind of that vibe you know. But but she did specifically mention like she was Mina and her friend was Lucy Aww. or vice versa. Um, I just thought, wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. But that is cool. But anyway, so this uh, movie is a good pairing with a you know our Bram Stoker's Dracula episode, you know, our classic, of course, right. Bram Stoker's Dracula <laughs> episode. Which is kind of funny because me loving that movie so much, you think this would movie would already be like one of my favorites too, but it just never really caught on with me. But now it has. I mean, again, having seen it <laughs> three times. Yeah. Well, so and it's written by Guillermo del Toro and Matthew Robbins, who I looked up. He also did um, Matthew Robbins did a lot of eighties movies. I didn't realize that he did one of my. Do you remember the movie Batteries Not Included? Yeah. I used to love that movie. I watched it all the time. Um, that's what I wanted. If I was gonna have a band, I wanted to name my band. Either batteries not included or dishwasher safe. <laughs> Why dishwasher safe? I don't know. I just thought it was cool. And I remember that my brother both thought both those were cool. I remember thinking, I was so proud. I like batteries not included. I'm not sure about dishwasher safe. <laughs> that sounds pretty tepid. But. Uh, and then I, don't, I was looking up Guillermo del Toro's next movies, and he's going to be doing a dark remake of Pinocchio. How cool is that? Of course he is. <laughs> Isn't that cool, though? That I, think I've, I think I've heard that before. He's yeah. already dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Pinocchio, uh, we're, back, we're back to what you've been watching, but <laughs> Pinocchio, I think, was the first, one of the first movies I saw in the theater. And I remember the Donkey Island, I'm sorry, it's not called Donkey Island, the Pleasure Island part where he turns into a donkey. Yes. Um, just kind of traumatizing. <laughs> oh, it is uh, so scary. You know, let alone the killer whale stuff. But uh, but that was one, of, that was my favorite, favorite. If you had asked me when I was like, as late as like 10 years old. That was my favorite movie of all time. But again, because you're not on our Facebook page. Sometimes groups are better. If you uh, just search that and then ask to join, you can come and hang out with us. Have you ever heard of a weird claymation thing called The Adventures of Mark Twain? A claymation one? No. Yes. Okay. You have to look this up. Someone suggested on Facebook? Yes. So my friend Henry, who I've been friends with for a while because we're both Hollywood Handbook fans, he joined the group, and so he posted some stuff that scared him as a kid. And I cannot stop thinking about this. It was the creepiest thing I've ever seen. He, he saw it when he was like four years old. Yeah, we want, you have to look it up later, and we'll watch it. So, again, you just need to get an alias, get on there, and come join us. Did you say the Mark Twain? Is that what you said? Yes. It's not like Tom Sawyer or something? You're well, hooked? Tom Sawyer is in it, but it's called like The Adventures of Mark Twain. And then there's a strange one where like um, – And it was a show like a, or a movie? or I don't know. Exactly. Okay. But I know that it was terrifying. All right. And so this movie starts out like some of the other movies we talked about where it starts at the end. Yeah. That, that, and again, that, there's got to be a term for that in filmmaking, right? We're going to start with a... Yeah. You see a lot in, in shows too. Like, well, the, the opening scene is you know something. Then it'll say like two days ago. Then the, right. you know, that, that, <laughs> it kind of, on shows especially, it irritates me. The X-Files used to do that all the time. It would drive me crazy. Um, but you see that a lot. But I think Crimson Peak does it cool because you're, you're immediately sort of you know, intrigued. Anytime you see a, you know, a female covered in blood, I'm kind of in. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially Mia, is her life, did you say, you say Wachowski? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, she just got, I mean, just that perfect pale white skin. Yeah. And just, she's just like a, I mean, she looks like a, a little doll. I hate to say it. She's a, she's a human girl. Yeah. But. If you listen to the, the blank check episodes that they do on the Tim Burt movies. Uh-huh. Well, they hate uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, That's yeah. Like, uh, but they do talk about like this is clearly a Tim Burton. They, he may as well created cre- have created her because like she's that's that type, that sort oh, of very pale, yeah. blonde sort of Victorian. Just looks like she's Victorian somehow. Anyway, you know? right? Um, maybe just the role she does. 
she's much better in this than she was in House of Wonderland, of course. Not that she was really bad in that movie. That's just a bad movie, period. I saw the second one, and I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't see the second. But, but I, I also I, wasn't watching it. Like, I think it was just like just on. on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is a... I guess one thing I was going to ask you is, uh, do you think this movie is like particularly scary? I think that the ghosts are pretty scary. Yeah, so that's probably where I kind of... Like, I think there are definitely scary moments in it. Uh, and it doesn't, doesn't really hurt the movie, but I don't think it's a terribly scary movie. Like, I remember when I was being marketed, I remember being marketed as, like, the scariest thing that had come out oh, in no. some time. And I think I think one of my... Okay, so I guess there's two reasons why I probably don't think it's that scary. One of them is, like, and I think we've talked about this, you know, ghosts in general, I'm just not very frightened of them. Like, I just don't think that's a very scary concept for some reason. Okay. Like, I'm sure I probably don't want one in my house, but if I did... It'd be like, oh, okay, you know, it'd be, it's, they're not as scary as like people. <laughs> well, and, and especially like when you hear about like true ghost stories, I'm doing quotes. It's like the lights went on and off. Yeah, it's like the door opened. Yeah. I just, they, I don't, I don't find it scary either. Right. It's just, it's interesting. And I think I would think find it cool, but it doesn't really scare me. So that's probably one reason. And also the creatures in it, like, I think they're really like, cool looking and I just kind of like study them, but they don't scare me. They scare me when they jump out, you know, that type of thing. Well, I don't know. I, it, I thought it was pretty scary when they were, like, dragging themselves down the hall. I just thought that was cool. They're looking. screaming. I, okay. I just remember thinking, I wish that would happen to me. <laughs> see, I, see, I was thinking there's a good chance that could happen to me because I'm a woman and I could be murdered at any time. Oh. No, I don't want to be the ghost. I want to be chased by the ghost. Oh, okay. That's going to be kind of fun. Well, it was interesting because I, I was reading some stuff. And um, have you heard of bog mummies? B-O-G? No. So these are real mummies that have been left in peat bogs and i guess because of the heat or the moisture or something they be actually become mummified oh that's cool and um if you google them you can see what they look like because guillermo del toro said that he was very inspired by these bog mummies to make these how the ghosts look and if you google like bog mummies it does look very similar i mean i agree i guess i would say they're they're horrific they just don't really scare me. I mean, it's not like a knock against it. I mean, I love the design of it. Yeah. Everything about the movie. But, I, but it, it, it occurred to me like halfway through the movie. I was like, oh, this isn't really particularly scary. I wonder why you know that. But so, then the, so the first ghost that comes to her is, uh, she thinks it's her mother. And her mother comes and tells her, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess also you, you can't control how you are as a ghost. But you think you'd be not be so fucking scary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, if you really have a, you know, strong desire to, to warn her, you know, be a little more specific, you know? Right. <laughs> like, I was thinking, like, you know, this cryptic, I mean, this isn't all movies, but these cryptic, you came all this way. Say Adderall Hall or whatever yeah, it's called. Like, don't go there. These, these two brothers and sisters are going to be incestuous <laughs> and try and kill you with poison. Just right. don't do it. Tom Hiddleston's bad. Right. All don't. Right, I'm going to go back to heaven <laughs> or whatever. Like, but it may be, yeah, but maybe, maybe because her ghost are like half crazy or something. And I don't know, but it is kind of funny. Like, if you came out that way, just, just you know. Because then she would be like, oh, she meets Tom Hill. She's like, got it. Okay, not right. going to go. If there's a, a hot British guy that comes, yeah. avoid him. Right. But the, the, the better point is, like I said, maybe don't be so absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I guess also, I didn't, I guess you kind of realize later, this is not like a, so it's not just like a Victorian type thing where everybody sees ghosts. She obviously has some sort of uh, medium. There's some way that she can. Yeah, she, she has goes. some talent. She's uh, Haley Joel Osment, essentially. Yeah. Well, I think they kind of try and say it's because of her sort of more romantic yearnings. You know, like the fact that the fact that she writes ghost stories and has more of an imagination. That's I think that's kind of supposed to be part of it. So shouldn't we be able to see ghosts? Well, yeah, but you know, I don't know how do you know we don't. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, 
I posted this article on our Facebook page again. Sometimes groups are better. Um, there was a woman who kept he- thought that she kept hearing kids singing like out at, out at night, and they realized that it was because the the spiders were um, making their nests all over these loudspeakers, and they kept like making the loudspeaker come on and make mm. sounds. So it, that's what it sounded like. So it's just like when people say that that they hear. Um, someone singing outside or they hear little kids playing. It's like, well, they're, it could be spiders <laughs> around a sound system. I mean, it could be anything. There's just so many more logical reasons that I think are out there. This may upset some people because some people are very adamant about you know, ghosts. You know what one, someone said to me one time? It was someone I used to work with. I won't name her. She said, uh, well, I don't know why we were talking about ghosts, but I said, yeah, I mean, it's kind of bullshit, right? She goes, oh, you don't believe in ghosts? I'm like, well, no. And I, I won't turn to me. And she goes, oh, so you just don't think that you see your loved ones when you die? You think that, you know, like, you know, my mom died and I swear I'm not going to see. I'm like, oh, hold on. Because <laughs> <laughs> she takes that leap. Right. So I think that's maybe part of it. Like, you know, the people link it to, you know, just the afterlife in general, I guess. So some people do get really upset when they you do. And, um, and I understand that some people do feel that they had an encounter and that probably means a lot to them. So I guess to kind of say it's bullshit because it hasn't happened to me is not really fair. I get that. It, it hasn't happened to me. And if it did, maybe I changed my mind. Yeah. But until then, I also just know like the brain is like so crazy. I mean. People are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm saying, but I haven't ruled it out. I don't know. It's not really something I think about, but I kind of think, no, that's probably not what's happening. You know, same thing when everyone, anyone tells a near-death experience thing. It's like, yeah, your brain's going fucking nuts right now. Like, who knows what, you know, of course you see a light. Your, right. Your synapses are like, who, I mean, there's just so many things that could be happening there. But no, yes, you're Now everybody's mad at us. But we would love to hear. Like, if I would love to hear stories about a near-death experience where you see certain things or, or a ghost story, if you guys want to share those with us. Because I'm, again, I'm not saying it's not true. And I shouldn't be, shouldn't just say it's bullshit because I haven't experienced it. So that'd be something cool you guys could write into us about. Yeah, I I, I guess if someone told me that directly, like it happened to them, I'd be more prone to listen. I'm talking about like these books that come out that people, you know, some five-year-old kid wrote. You know, there's that that one turned me crazy. I know. Um, Getting really controversial all of a sudden. I know. Share your stories with us and we'll talk about them. Sometimes groups are better. Sometimes groups are better. So I guess um, we'll just get, we kind of already started again in the movie, but so Crimson Peak, okay, so we got a Victorian setting. Um, it's we, Buffalo, New York in yeah. 1901 or so. Yeah, I do. It is kind of funny every time. I forget how much of the movie is not at Crimson Peak. Like the first 45 minutes or so are all in, I guess, Buffalo. Right. Pretty long kind of introduction. But I love all that, you know, the more yeah. I watch it. So we have Edith, played by Mia Wachowski. Mm-hmm. Um, she is Chris like just just shrugged his shoulders <laughs> when he said her last name. By the way, uh, we'll just call her Edith, um, and she's sort of a one of the other characters calls her our, our own Jane Austen, right? Um, although that is a bit of a what do you call it? Um, anachronism. 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 Yeah, because Jane Austen didn't become famous or known until much later. I was wondering about that. Yeah, so I don't think anyone would know who Jane Austen was, um, even if you were. Wow, really... we're saying her name so wrong. What is it? Wasikowska? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say this? Wasikowska. Yeah. I mean, she probably won't hear this. Wasikowska. Okay. Well, you know, Mia, you know. Okay. Mia. 
But yeah, so you were saying that I was wondering about that too. Yeah, I don't think she would have known who Jane Austen is. Minor quibble. But anyway, she wants to be a writer. She has a kind of an active imagination. Her mom died when she was young. She saw a ghost. So maybe that's kind of why she is writing a ghost story, you know, that type of thing. Um, she has a very nice dad. Um, they're kind of seem to be rich. He's like a big, important builder. Um, oh, and of course, she also has uh, sort of this best friend slash sort of suitor who's played by Charlie Hunnam. Who, I mean, can we just talk about how boring he is? I mean, You think he's boring? Not him, but he tends to choose. A, there's a few roles he's chosen. Oh, you, you think Charlie Hunnam is boring? That character is certainly boring. I don't, I don't I well, nothing I, I thought Hunnam. he was so cute. Oh, he's cute. And then he, but he's a doctor. And then remember that one time she, he was showing her those creepy pictures? Yeah, I thought that was funny. I thought that was cool. Um, but I mean, it's definitely a boring character. I, I did read that the idea was he was supposed to be the actual damsel in distress. So then I kind of liked the character more. Oh, yeah. So boring. But, I mean, actually, that's almost kind of like a net positive for me because it just makes them kind of more adorable somehow. Um, But anyway, so he's sort of kind of a possible suitor, but that really doesn't go anywhere. Although, Well, yeah, there there was some comment about how he went away. So maybe they were about to get together and then he had to go. Yeah, apparently he and his mother and sister went to Britain and that's how they met Tom Hiddleston and his sister. Oh. Because they were originally... Tom Hilson was, you know, had his eyes on that character's sister, on Charlie Hummond's sister. Oh, so that's okay. why he came to New York. He was going to originally, I guess, the plan was, I guess, to woo her and steal her money. But then he saw Mia. Oh. Uh, it's not really that clear. It's kind of, there's a few lines of dialogue that explain that. Well, no, no, that makes sense now because um, then Eunice, I think that's what Eunice, one of her names yeah, is. Eunice, Eunice. She, she gets upset because yeah. she assumes he's going to choose her to dance because she's he's there to woo her. I didn't think about that. So. Yeah. And there's a comment earlier where he says, oh, my sister got swept away in in London or wherever by you know, a baronet. And that's when they talk about what is a baronet or and they make fun of his title. You know. Right. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah. that's, that's supposedly him. Um, but anyway, so the, at the same time, you have uh, Tom Hiddleston. What's his name in the movie? Uh, Lord Edward Sharp? No. <laughs> Lord Sharp. Thomas Sharp. Oh, okay. Thomas Sharp. Yeah, what a nice name. Yeah. And his fabulous sister. Um, Lu- Lucille. Lucille, yeah. So they're in America. They're there to, um, you know, presumably they're there to get investors in their their mining operation. Right. For red clay. They're, it becomes pretty clear they're, you know, destitute. They're losing their money. Edith meets him and comments to her father about his, you know, his clothes being 10 years too old. And Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, but he, when, he, when he walks in, he is so handsome. He yes. definitely stands out, and it makes no uh, no wonder why Mia or Edith like is like, damn. Right. I mean, even though she mentioned like his clothes were old and his shoes were worn, but I mean, he walks yeah. in and he's he's handsome. You know, she's at her father's office and you know working on her <laughs> her manuscript, and uh, he enters, introduces himself, and I think it's funny. You know, he takes one look upside down at the manuscript he's working on, and like know, yeah. this, this appears to be a piece of fiction. I noticed that too. <laughs> And uh, immediately grasp onto his quality. That's a ghost story, and he's you know, and uh, I'm just like, wow, what 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 all did you see just there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The actual line is a uh, this is a piece of fiction, is it not? Right. <laughs> um, Ghosts. <laughs> and uh, she makes a comment that you know, well, the ghost is just a metaphor, right? Which uh, so here we have, I think, the director already kind of almost apologizing for his own genre a little bit. <laughs> like, no, this is like you know, this is all a metaphor. These are this is be a serious movie, kind of. Did you like Shape of Water? I I, I struggle with that movie. I I didn't think it was great. When I first saw it, I thought I did. And then more I thought about it, I was like, "Ah, that was not good. 
I mean, I it's like fine. It. I don't think it was like the best picture. But then, like, oh you know, no, what's the best? It shouldn't have been best. But picture. then I saw a bunch of people like just you know kind of crapping on it, and I then I kind of started like, well, no, it wasn't bad. I don't know. But then it was just like, was she falling with a fish? The more you think about it, it's just like, wait, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you need to see it again. I did love uh, what's his name. I think he should have won the best supporting actor. You the fish monster? No, <laughs> the old man who lived next door. Oh. The, oh, the guy from Richard Jenkins. Yes, yeah. Richard Jenkins. Yeah, no, he was. And he, Michael Shannon was great. He's always great. Yeah, but he, he just kind of played Michael Shannon. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, he plays that type a lot. It's yeah, he super does. Super creepy. Kind right. of. But yeah, so Tom Hiddleston goes into her father to try to get him to invest. Do you know that there was a mean lawyer joke in there? Did that hurt your feelings? It annoyed me. Mm. Um, I mean, it's just like, Even why? back then. But I, I do like they kind of play off that because they cut to his reaction and he's just kind of like, why? Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this idea of all them all working with their hands and you know doing real work it's like fuck you. I mean, okay, but at the same time, I mean it's kind of true. I mean, I sit in an office all day. So at the same time, Edith has another vision of her mother. This time as a grown up, again saying you know, you know as cryptic as possible. You know, beware of Crimson Peak. I think is the <laughs> the, the actual line, which can mean like any number of things, I suppose. Right. Instead of does not help her at all. What's she supposed no. to? What's she supposed to do with that? There's nothing called Crimson Peak. I guess she knows after she's there. So I think my favorite scene, at least my favorite early scene, is the dance. Mm-hmm. Then when she shows up in a fabulous dress, it's probably my, one of my favorite. There's a lot of great outfits in the yeah. movie. And yeah, I, yeah. That is very similar to Dracula, too. Yeah, I think that I put that as my, my favorite outfit. Her dress? Yeah, in yes. that scene, yeah. Yeah. I like the yellow one, too, later, when she's, like, on the moor or whatever. And um, But that's a good one, the very, the very white one. I don't know. I love um, Jessica Chastain's. That's, like, that's what I would wear, though. Like, those bold colors and like the high neck yeah well so no I she's really she's that. on point that scene too she's wearing that uh, well let's we'll talk about the her. red yeah her, we have mm. to talk about her appearance so okay so thomas shows up um you see um from the back jessica chastain playing the piano right. kind, of, kind of presumptuous of her I and mean, she's like a guest <laughs> <laughs> um but she's wearing this complete you know just neck down like i said severe red like i don't know what even what we even call that i mean it's a dress i guess but yeah it's almost like more like a gown yeah, but it's severe. <laughs> so you, you it's mean, not welcoming. No, no, it's a mood. <laughs> um, and so from the first moment, she is completely. Um, I mean, she, I think she's like the best act, acting performance in the movie. Do you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She's so good, and, and plus she has to do an accent. But anyway, so she's uh, is introduces Thomas's sister. Um, there's definitely like a kind of a mood between them, but you know we'll get that later. You know, incest. <laughs> <laughs> And so um, I think my, the, one of my favorite things is, you know, Thomas introduced. Oh, oh, Mia is Australian. Okay. Well, okay. So, yeah. So she's putting on an accent, too. Yeah. So maybe the only person not doing accent is uh, Thomas Hilton. But, yeah. They're so um, then they have a, the great dance scene. Because I guess, like, you could tell that Charlie Hunnam likes Edith. But also he's very respectful. It seems like at yes. some point there was uh, some time that passed. and you He's know, very proper. Yes. Yeah. And, um, it's like, well, this is, you know, this her father notices Tom kind of hitting on her and he goes oh well, this is interesting he's like indeed you know yeah but it's also not like jealous or it's just kind of right he's yeah. not he's not bitter or he just kind of accepts it. it's kind of sad actually one of my favorite things is when uh jessica Chastain meets uh edith you know when tom thomas introduces her she says you know in, in earshot everybody you know now's the time <laughs> she says that a couple she says that to thomas you know as in like you know make her move oh um, and she says it a couple times in the movie, and she's just like completely evil. And you think people are like, "What's that about?" You know? I, I know, like that. And then also, my, I, a lot of sh- scenes after this, like her and Tom Hiddleston are in black, 
Yeah. They're shot in shadow. And there's no trying to hide that these no, are bad guys. They're, they're like, they're like, um, like under the tree in the shade, like so chit chatting. Yeah. yeah, I got severe like Bram Stoker Dracula vibes from that. So I mean, there's no doubt that yeah. we're supposed to be wary of these yeah. two people. I mean, we'll just say what they're doing, so we don't have to like. I mean, like the idea is that they're there to basically steal, you know, an heiress, someone with money, to build back their fortune, and you know, and what and it's going to involve who killing whoever it is to steal their fortune. That's just sort of their mo. Yes. So this is the third or fourth person they've done it to. Um, <laughs> It seems like the idea is before they've just, you know, chosen uh, whoever and it hasn't really been a big deal because they're in love with each other. Yes, we have some incest. Yeah, because, um, I mean, they show some of the pictures of the girls, the women later. Some yeah. of them were a little older. So. And so it was supposed to be And there wasn't a, wasn't a connection. And so, yeah. yeah, even if they had gotten Eunice, Eunice kind of seems like one of those girls who just wanted to get married. Right. And so she probably wouldn't, she wouldn't be out trying to discover, figure, figure out the secret. So. They probably would have completed, but for whatever reason, he chose Mia, and she's like unique and different. Yeah. And but plot he falls was, in love. Yeah, with he her. falls in love. Yeah. So this is the first time that's happened, and and so that's kind of what's all in the background. But now we have, um, and so another sort of you know, presumptuous thing I think is there. You know, Thomas Hiddleston says, "Well, I'm going to show you everyone here in this room the European waltz," right. which I mean, that's like a baller move. I think like I would never have like you're the guest there, and I don't know. They just that that bothered me on some anxiety ridden level well, yeah so lucille's like i'm gonna play a piano with this bitch yeah <laughs> i'm gonna dance we're gonna take this party over yeah that was just you know it's such a move but anyway so uh the european waltz i mean it doesn't look that difficult to me like i, I just i was really kind of let down when it actually happened like oh well the candle was a blowout <laughs> i mean they're barely they're just moving in circles right okay i just had to say that i mean i love that scene though it's very romantic and i love when the camera swoops through the candle at the end and uh, it's just it's just very well done. Yeah. So the whole movie is very kind of a one thing I liked about it is it's so like classical. Yeah. Like yeah. even in structure, like just very linear, well, except mm-hmm. for the ending in the beginning. But you know whatever. Um, it, it feels like a movie I would have watched when I was like a kid or something. Like just no real tricks to it really. Just a straight ahead. Just just a movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he was trying to go for. Yeah. He just wanted to write like a a ghost story. Yeah. That's um, what he. That's probably one of his favorite things. I bet. Yeah, for some reason, the structure of it, like this very long introduction that just takes its time and introducing the characters, it just it felt like some movie. I can't even place it, but just something I would have watched when I was a kid, like on VHS. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know what I even mean by that, but it just has a very comforting kind of structure to it. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. So then it's like I don't know if it's a the next night or I don't know if they've been hanging out a couple nights and she thinks that they're gonna get married and but then. Her dad has a PI go out and find some dirt. Yeah, super creepy investigator. By yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's he's in Game of Thrones. I figured out he's he's one of the Night's Watch. Yes, I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, he's a bad guy. The, the bad guy that kills a. Uh, uh, I remember he's also in the Warmont. Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's kind of. I guess I'm sure he always plays kind of. A, I guess really he's playing a good guy in this one, but he still looks pretty creepy. You know, it's interesting too that I just happened to notice was there's a an actor named Doug Jones. Did you read about him? Isn't he the guy that plays like the um, the ghosts? Yeah. Well, he I think he's he, he's in all of his movies. I think he kind of plays. I know any like the fish thing and the yes. shape of water. And, and then he's the the fauna guy yeah. and Pan's Labyrinth. I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah, he's in that new Star Trek show. He plays an alien. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah, he's um, and he has like a big role in that. Uh, I guess yeah, he's kind of a creature. He I think he's really tall and kind of has a unique kind of presence somehow. So, right. 
So then the dad tries to get rid of them. He writes them a check. Yeah. So they've been courting. Uh, right. There's that kind of there's that funny scene where um, I mean it's not funny, but it's funny to me that where uh, the moss and the be- be- butterfly. Theme, oh right. You know, where, oh, the dead butterflies. Yeah, Jessica. You know, Jessica Chain is talking about how America has all these pretty butterflies, but the where we come from, all we have are you know dark and depressing moths. And, <laughs> and Jessica's like, oh, what do they eat? Oh, they eat the butterflies. I'm afraid. <laughs> and of course, you know. I know this from reading all about it, but, you know, towards the end of the movie, Jessica Chastain is actually even dressed like a moth with a sort of floating. She's supposed to look like a moth, and it's just a, it's very on-the-nose imagery. That's kind of funny they do that. Oh, wait. So Jessica Chastain is supposed to look like a moth chasing Mia through the house? Yeah. Okay. Mia's a butterfly. Don't tell me that. <laughs> I like it. Okay. It, look, it looks pretty. Okay. But that's what, you know, she's a butterfly. She's being eaten by the ants. It's yes. All, it's yes. just... I love it when people just say, like, they may as well have a big sign in the background saying metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you my goodness. You can see me, like, throwing my hands in the air with my metaphor sign. but Right. But, yeah, so yeah, so they've been courting a while. Like you said, her dad gets this news. Uh, you don't really know what it is yet. But right. You learn at some point that, yeah, he knows that he's been married, like, eight times. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe still married. I don't quite know. Yeah, I think he's still married. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't know they're dead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um so he's like, okay, you need to break up with her. And for some reason, do it is... <laughs> break her heart yeah. in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, can you, can you just leave the country? <laughs> I know. That uh, was... Uh, Del Toro does the Beth death scenes, right? Are you talking about the dad scene? But I mean, all of his death scenes. What do you mean? Well, I don't know if you remember. I mean, in Pan's Labyrinth, there's a guy who gets his neck split with like a, like a razor. Even in Shape of Water, which I didn't even care for. Michael Shannon, I remember he gets shot through the hand. And then he gets shot... And it's just it's the the way he can combine those the gore and put it into just like a regular regular type murder I guess is amazing, but yeah. yeah so he gets his head bashed in and yeah he's in the I, I keep thinking like into my mind he's like is he like the YMCA or something <laughs> he's in the <laughs> he's, he's some, in the bath he's in the bathhouse I, I guess it's a thing for rich people and um, he's doing his shave so that's the yeah the main kind of act break between the first kind of long opening sequence and the Crimson Peak sequence. Um, but before we go to Crimson Peak, I, I like to talk about the, the color scheme of the movie, okay. if, if I may. <laughs> sure. I have a theory. Okay. So um, kind of like Hereditary, um, in this movie, if you, I mean, it's almost, it's pretty clear the main color schemes are green and red. I mean, of course we know the red. Right. But also, especially the opening scenes are, are a lot of green, uh, even the same scenes. Uh, and then you have that scene early on where she's at hot eye doctors um just at his office and he's you know about to show her the the slides of the ghost uh-huh. just kind of out of nowhere right. <laughs> well i guess because she knows she's writing about ghosts it's kind of yeah. sweet it is sweet um but in doing so you know he's talking about how some people can see the ghost and he makes this observation like well you know it's like the guy before me he he was red green colorblind and the only reason oh. people the only reason he knows about the colors red and green are just because everyone because everyone's just telling about it and he compares that to how you know, some people can see ghosts and right. can't. Mm. All right. So I got a fresh Bloody Mary, Chris. And I switched to a Pilsner. Okay. I don't know the name of it, but it's German. <laughs> and so we're going to cut to the second part of the movie, which takes place at Allardale Hall, which is where the incestuous twins live yes in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah the crimson peak of the title as we learn later so yeah it's, uh, it's a giant old victorian well it's not even victorian because it's even old at that point 
It's oh, hundreds right. years old. Right. It's basically a castle. Um, it's on clay. <laughs> it's, Red clay. Yeah, the land, they're, they're mining clay there. And uh, there's some line about how they've um, mined it so thoroughly that it's basically sinking in. So they have to use this new equipment he's trying to get money for to get it from deep in the ground, I guess. Right. Mia seems awfully uh, comfortable with the yeah, fact that she I know. enters his house and there's a giant fucking hole in the ceiling. There's a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> yes. It's literally bleeding. Yeah. I feel like she was, I mean, she kind of mentions it, but I feel like this is kind of a kind of a deal breaker. I mean. There's bugs everywhere. Yeah. The, the walls are covered with mildew, it looks like. I mean, it's just disgusting. <laughs> his his uh, sister is a bitch. Yeah. It's already weird when she gets off the buggy because the the man says, oh, you've been married a long time or something like that. Some weird comment that yeah, kind of was like. That. And that dog comes out of nowhere. And yeah, again, this it, place is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I wonder if the dog, is the dog supposed to be a ghost? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because, well, I guess not because later she kills him, which for some reason that makes you laugh every time. Like, you just, when she stabs the dog, <laughs> it's because it's so unnecessary. Oh, no, I think it belonged to one of the women that came. Oh. And she brought the dog. Right. And so he threw it out into the... <laughs> In the middle of nowhere, thinking it would die, but right. it came back to the house. That's why he was surprised to see it again. Oh, okay. For some reason, I think maybe it was like their mom's dog or something. But, um, but yeah. So the house is just you know terrible. It's my honestly. dream home. Yeah. The oh. only thing that makes sense though is that she's you know just a horror fan, <laughs> and she just thinks <laughs> yeah. it's really cool. But, yeah. But she makes no really. She just kind of mentioned, oh, well, it's you know kind of cold. It's like yeah, there's a giant hole in the ceiling. It's snowing all the time. Right. <laughs> um, and the sister uh, has control of the keys of the house, which right. is kind of a thing back then. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned a lot in Dickens' novels. Oh, yeah? Who controls the keys of the house. It's this whole thing. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of the others. Oh, really? Yeah. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good one to do. Yeah. I love so, that um, Mia asks for the keys. Jessica Shane says, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess because she doesn't want her wandering around and finding uh, pretty much everything she eventually finds. Yeah, like, she finds it anyway. Right. Well, she, she gets the key. So. Well, she takes one key, and that just opens the yeah. the main... The key that has a dead wife's name on it <laughs> to the dead wife's trunk that they just left there. Right. Why are they just throw it in clay? Anyway, it's not a point. They kind of make a point to show that you know she and Tom Hiddleston aren't really sleeping together yet. Lucille just comes right out and asks. Would you, so how'd you guys... Uh, How'd your, how'd your honeymoon go or something like that, you know? Like, oh, that's right. Yeah. She shows her dirty pictures, you know, and she's like, oh, we actually haven't. He's been very respectful. That's also like in Dracula, like the where Mina and Lucy are looking at the Kama Sutra. Yeah, and, yeah. Although it, it's clear that Tom Hiddleston is kind of has some feelings for her. I mean, other, other than the fact they're married. But right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of well, longing yeah, yeah, books. There's, and, yeah, there's, and there was one scene when I think he says, like, you're so different. Yeah. And then yeah. she was like, from who? Yeah. And he was like, not all my other dead wives. <laughs> just other people. Yeah. And then they start making out. Yeah. I didn't pick that up about you being so different until like the last time I watched oh. it, actually. But also, so the whole time, uh, Tom and Jessica Chastain are poisoning her. You know, they're using right. the tea. There's this kind of funny scene where they're just like <laughs> poisoning the tea <laughs> and just chatting and talking about the past dead wives and uh, just kind of funny domestic <laughs> right. little scene there. And of course, she has no idea, but she's, I guess she's, you know, starting coughing up blood. It's very Moulin Rouge, you know. Yes. Nothing too gross, but just sort of proper <laughs> coughing But she kind of catches on. She kind of realizes something's not right. <laughs> Jessica Chastain's like, fuck it. I was put in the porridge. <laughs> <laughs> so poisoning everything. Yeah, and then, and then later she's like, I'm going to push you off this balcony. <laughs> Enough. Yeah, I mean, why even bother with the poison? Why not just kill her immediately? I mean, it seems like they're, they're just... 
I think the idea is they're, they're disposing of the bodies in the clay, right? Right. And I mean, that, because at first, you know, they show that scene where the kind of body rises out of the clay, uh-huh. that little pit thing, and I thought, oh, it's a ghost. But no, that's actually just her skeleton, right? Like, oh, right. That yeah. one, yes. But I guess that when, when she sees them, they're all covered in right. what you think is blood, but I guess it's the clay because they're all buried down in there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Okay. I'll have to um, watch again. So... Edith, we're just using Mia and Edith. Interchangeable. Yes. Um, so Edith, can't, she's just wandering around. She goes into, voluntarily goes into a room that is covered in bugs. Just those those moths they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then she hears like women groaning and she's just like cool with it. Again, maybe it's just because she's like, this is great for my yeah. novel. I mean, well, even she walks in, she's like, I think I just saw a lady in the elevator. <laughs> yeah. And in any other movie, that'd be like, you know, shrieking. And, and of course, they're like, oh, no, it's, you know, the wind. They don't even try. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this house is very drafty. It's right. sinking. Don't you think that Tom Hiddleston would be a gentle lover? Well, that scene's pretty intense, you know, the actual sex scene they have. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk about it. Um, oh, yeah, she, she gets on top. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the sexual politics I've seen are interesting. Uh, it's very, I mean, it's kind of feminist in a way. Like, you know, you know there's the male nudity instead of her nudity. And uh, like you said, she's on top and mm-hmm. sort of taking control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a pretty strong character, I guess. But what's interesting is that, you know, you think the ghosts are there to, I guess, scare her. And I suppose they are, but they're really there to, you know, warn her. They're kind of friendly ghosts in a way. Well, yeah, it's very sixth sense when finally she just decides to face them and say, like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? Yeah. And even, again, they're not terribly helpful or descriptive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they either Stop just, moaning. <laughs> they just scream at her. <laughs> at one point, the most, the one, I think we should literally ask, like, what do you want? Of the ghost, you know, floating in the hallway with the baby. And she just kind of points in a general direction. That's <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's pointing at, uh, I guess, to show her that they're having sex right now, you know, so she finds them. Right. Um, but, it's like, but, yeah, not terribly helpful, you know. But I didn't realize how everything was laid out a little too simply. Like she happened, like you said, she got the key with the dead wives. She went and got the, opened up the suitcase and it had like everything in it. They kept yeah. everything, even the tape of them like admitting it. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I kind of wonder is like, you know, so she's writing this horror novel, right? Or uh-huh. a ghost story. I'm sorry. That she's kind of writing it throughout the movie. And, you know, and Tom Hilson is reading it and commenting on it. But he's never really, they don't really explain what is about. Other than it's a ghost story that has a love story in it. So you kind of wonder, like, well, is she writing what's happening? Like, is is the, you know, because the movie opens with a Crimson Paint book. Right. You know, so it's like, is she writing the movie? Because, <laughs> you know, there's the love story happens after she is told she's a love story. Then Tom Middleton appears. And uh, so, that, I mean, so some of the, I guess what I'm saying is some of the sort of on the nose, kind of very easy. It, it could be kind of maybe that, like it's badly <laughs> written almost. Because it's supposed to be the story she's writing? Yeah, kind of. Okay. So we have uh, the Jamie Cersei sort of thing going on. For sure, yeah. And then the Game of Thrones ending with it. Here's the story. I wrote about it in a week on Game of Thrones, too. It's similar. So, yeah. So she busts in and she finds Jamie and Cersei making out. Um, I mean, Edith. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's also another point. So maybe maybe they're the love story. Like, which is the love story? Are they the love story? Is that the true love story? the brother and sister oh because the end it kind of does kind of you know if you you know flash the end you know you kind of are left with that sad scene of just a chest stain all by herself you know yeah yeah well she probably shouldn't have stabbed him in the face yeah uh but then one of the things that so when edith finds out lucille gives her like a heart-to-heart talk and one of the things that she does say 
Lucille says, the things we do for love like this are ugly, mad, full of sweat and regret. So maybe you're right. I mean, maybe I mean, she's talking about her love for her Tom. Brother, yeah. yeah. And that's funny because the things they do for love is that famous Jamie Lynch line. I think that's my favorite sequence. So it's after she finds the two, you know, and you know, she comes out of the room and she's like almost like boasting about it. Like, yeah, you know, with my brother. Yeah. And, um, and, <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was so funny when she's like, you're not his sister. And she was like, Jesus Christ. It pushes her over. <laughs> that's delightful. Yeah. And then just pushes her. And, and then, um, and that's, you know, everything has just kind of been building that. And that's, that's such a cool sequence. And then the camera, like, at the same time, you know, uh, What's his face is knocking on the door and yeah. like, someone's at the door. And <laughs> yeah, so behind the so back in New York, he started investigating, and Charlie Hunnam has been going around. He meets the PI and he makes it over just in time and goes through the snow and he gets there just in time. Yeah, it kind of reminds me again that whole sequence of a little bit of the shining, like because you know, the shining you have a guy, I mm-hmm. guess, Dick Halloran racing against time to try and get to the hotel mm-hmm. and he stops and like gets a snow plow and. There's kind of a similar setup where he stops and gets like, I don't know, a buggy or something. And, yeah, and he uh, asks them, he tells them to come and help. Yeah, it just kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And then he immediately gets like, you know, stabbed or whatever. <laughs> um, well, I guess, how do you feel about the love story between him and Edith? Like, uh, you- well, I think that it changed him. And I think that that's good. I think that finally set him. Uh, I think he's been under the control of his sister this whole time. You know, she killed the mom and then he she probably raised him as a young kid. Oh, you think she killed the mom, not not both of them? No, I think they. I think they make right. it clear that she does. I think it's something about her having the machete or something. Oh right, right. Um, that she hid under the floorboards. Yeah. yeah, and so then I think he she's been raising him, and he never should have like lived back out in society and like had his life. But I think he he made the right choices. He didn't want to kill Charlie Hunnam. He you know he he told him to stab him. Yeah. Where was kind of like scream a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, but he seemed to think that three, the three of them could run off together. Yeah, that like, No. And then that's when um, Jessica Chastain really loses it. And again, a great graphic death. It's so good. Stabs him. Um, when she stabs, it stabs him in the eye or the face, the yes. cheek, whatever. I mean, I always know it's coming. It always shocks me every time. It just, yeah. because there's no like, there's not, there's something weird about the way he shoots it. There's no, I guess there's no film cut between, I guess she stabs him in the stomach or something and then goes straight to the eye. Like, yeah. There's nothing to suggest it's fake, I guess is what Well, I mean. it's also, it's just so calm. Yeah, and quick. By yeah. Jessica Chastain. She just like stabs him right into the face. And it's just. <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then he pulls it out. Yeah. She's kind of like, well, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lucille. The, again, this is actually another in our long, good line of. You know, house movies. Yeah, yeah. This may be one of the better houses. Although, you know, it being more of a castle, maybe that's kind of cheap. I think it's, yeah, no, I mean, it's not a house. So, yeah, so you have that final sort of sustained fight sequence between Jessica Chastain and, and Edith. Kind of shining-like, you know, and, and just in the sense as two human beings just sort of fighting it out for like, a you know, half an hour or so, it feels like. <laughs> Um, well, and so what does it all mean when Edith sees the ghosts of Thomas and then all of a sudden, why can Lucille see it? She turns around and she can see it. I was wondering that too. I mean, I think part of it is maybe that um, because she would want to see him, I think. So I think part of it is because you know, Edith, you know, again, it's just that she would want to see this type of stuff. She has a type of imagination. She's interested in these things. You know, there's the whole, you know, red, green, colorblind metaphor again. 
So I think at that point, she would maybe so want to see him that she would be open to that type of thing. And maybe that's why she would see him. I don't think there's like some supernatural veil that lives all of a sudden, in other words. I think it's entirely like character-based. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that scene is kind of funny, though, because it's basically just like, you know, made you look and then <laughs> whaps her with a frying pan or whatever it is. <laughs> a shovel. A shovel. That's yeah. a bad, that's a, um intense hit, too. But then, so Jessica Chastain survives that? I think she survives the first hit, then she whacks her again, and that kills her. You know, at the end, you know, she's a ghost playing the piano. Right, right. right. All right. Know, thinking about her, you know brother right <laughs> also so, so, you know, but does she, she doesn't get to like be a ghost in the house with her brother or is he just gone i think her brother moves on because then he kind of evaporated at the end mm-hmm. i guess he's sort of you know maybe wouldn't want to linger so she's stuck in there with like all the other women Ooh, be, yeah that's that's cool that should be a sequel yeah she'll be so mean to them she's so mean <laughs> no you can't have the keys yeah and i do like how um before she before edith whacks her for the second time she gets her good like sort of action movie line and like you know I heard you the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, and then her and uh, Charlie Hunnam, they uh, limp off. And at that point, you see the mob of people coming yeah. to come help. So do we have final thoughts on Crimson Peak? Or? I think it's great. I mean, I wouldn't give it, I would give it, what do you think? Well, I've, I've already upgraded four stars in my letterbox. Okay. I was hovering over four and a half last night, and I couldn't uh, quite pull the I trigger. I four. But yeah, four stars for sure. It's, it, it's, there's something slightly surface level about it, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. There's um, not. It's the, you can't get too deep on this one. Yeah. I mean, I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, I've compared The Shining eight times already, but The Shining, you know, when, when we do that, guys, be prepared. <laughs> but you can go so deep on any number. Might be part one and part two on yeah. that. God, it's going to be crazy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to start writing now. Okay, Chris, are you ready for true crime? I am. Okay, so like I had said, I I had it in my head that I was going to do H.H. Holmes, which would be a lot to do. So again, I think that would be better when we maybe talk about it when the series comes out and might be easier to just like... The Devil in the White City. Yeah, maybe yeah. just like compare the book... Or the facts to the story. Because there's just so much to that story. I hate to just, like, butcher it. Okay. So what did you choose? Well, I chose Martha Jewel Beck and Raymond Fernandez, who are known as the Lonely Hearts Killers. Sounds good. (laughs) Are they brother and sister? You'll see. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and so apparently there was a, a movie in 1970 called The Honeymoon Killer. And then there was also a very sensationalized movie about it starring Jared Leto, Selma Hayek, James Gandolfini, and John Travolta. What? Like in the 90s. No. What's it called? The Lonely Hearts Killers. Oh, okay. So this story takes place in the 1940s. So picture that. Everyone's wearing hats. <laughs> Everything's in black and white. Right. Is it in America? <laughs> yes. Uh, so before Martha and Raymond met, Raymond was a con man who met women in the Lonely Hearts ads of newspapers. And this is what they called them. Like, That's what I need. <laughs> it was <laughs> we need to go back to the newspapers. The Helena, Alabama, Lonely Hearts Club. <laughs> uh, so and what he would do is he would seduce them and rob them. And that was sort of what he did. But before all that, uh, he well, would... What do you mean? When you, okay. What was to rob them, like, you know, like, like gunpoint or like, or like steal their money, like slowly, like. Yeah, it's like, like steal their money. Uh, I mean, he was just a con man, okay. essentially. He'd gotcha. get them to sign over their whatever estate they had okay. and yeah. things like that. Gotcha. Um, but before all that, he was born to Spanish parents in Hawaii and lived in Spain for a while. 
he had a um a wife and kids and then he went Rob to them. <laughs> Well, this is interesting. So he actually lived a normal life. He was in the military during World War II. He worked for British intelligence, but then he had an accident on a boat where a steel hatch fell on his skull mm. and damaged the front part of his lobe. Oh, so this is like a Phineas Gage type yes. thing? Yes. Okay. Uh, so he came home a different person and he started showing these uh, deviant behaviors. And one of them was that he couldn't help but rob houses. Because obviously, whatever happened when his brain was damaged put it, sent him on this path. He um, got arrested for burglaries and. When he got into – when he was in prison at one point, he discovered voodoo and he got, like, really into voodoo. He thought that he could use it to have power over women and it made him even more of, like, this confident monster, <laughs> which is very odd. So he started getting – so then after he got out of jail, he started – this is when he started uh, finding women from these ads – and again, this is so sad. Like, it would be like a romantic magazine. And then on the back, it had like an ad for the Lonely Hearts Club. And you'd write in. And they're targeting it for, you know, like sad women. That is pretty sad. And it was like probably. Says Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I sign up? It just sounds very romantic to me. I mean, if, if it didn't have probably like back then, probably a negative connotation of, you know, not being able to just find a man. That, well, even it's a sad name. Like I know. Like, like, it's not like you have Tinder. I know. <laughs> like, Bumble. <laughs> but yeah, because that is like, I, like one of the things you learn in psychology is like, um, what are the main things that attract people to each other? And the main thing, like you don't even think about it, but it's location. You have to be around somebody. You have to be in the vicinity of somebody to be attracted to them. You can't, you know, so you can't just say I like people with a good sense of humor but you're only, you can only choose from the people that are around you. Yeah. And so especially back in the 1940s, you're not traveling much. So it makes sense that you would be using something like the newspaper to communicate or find other people outside of your area. Yeah. But it just But it looked but it's probably looked down upon yeah. back then. But I mean also, you know, 30,000 up view, it just it just seems like, you know, serial killer paradise too, I mean like. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Craigslist or something is creepy enough, but you know, much less the Lonely Hearts Club, you know, just easy pickings, you know. Yes. And so one woman who responded was a woman named Jane Thompson. And she went on a cruise with Raymond and mysteriously died. Hmm. Strangely enough, he had uh, forged a will and got all of her property and money. And again, this is lonely hearts. So this is probably women who are older, who maybe didn't get married when they were supposed to. I mean, older back then. They're probably like 29. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so maybe they don't aren't in touch with their family, didn't get married and have kids. I don't know. So th they're not a lot of people looking for him, I guess. All right. So he'd done this with a few women. One of them died. Then, he, But then he met Martha Jewel Beck, who wrote into one of these ads. And when they met, they hit it off, which is not how it usually worked. It was kind of like in the movie. This was her, his Edith. His Edith, yeah. Yeah. So um, I shouldn't kill her. <laughs> <laughs> so Martha grew up in Florida she claimed to have been sexually abused by her brother. When she told her mother, her mother blamed her. It's a very awful. She was always overweight. As a kid, she had a, a glandular issue. And especially being like overweight in the, I mean, I guess that would have been this start much younger. I mean, with the mid 20s or whatever. 
being overweight, I'm sure she was bullied a lot. Okay, there's here's a really interesting story that I found. So, so she lives in Florida, right? But at one point, she was uh, visiting friends in Alabama. And she happened to meet Truman Capote as a child. Wow. And Harper Lee. And the three of them ran away together for the day. Crazy. Isn't that? They, they ran away. They hitchhiked all the way to Evergreen, Alabama until they got picked up and sent back home. How, how did they know that story? Or Later. Like Truman Capote didn't remember the kid's name. But then I guess whenever he was older, they were like, hey, she was in the newspaper for see, yeah. later things that are going to happen. And then I think his mom was like, hey, remember when you guys ran away <laughs> together? And he was pretty disturbed by it. But so then she grows up. She becomes a nurse. She has a hard time. It, it, is, it's a, it does suck because because of her weight problem, she has a hard time finding a job. Like, I mean, especially back then, they just assumed that she was lazy. It was pretty shitty. Yeah. But so she ended up finally getting a job in the army and she was working that. She had, uh, unfortunately, she had two kids out of wedlock with two different men. So, of course, that people are looking down on her for that. So, so finally, she writes into this, the, the newspaper and she hooks up with Raymond. They have a connection and then Raymond goes back to New York. She goes back to Florida, but then she loses her job. And so she thinks it's a sign. So she packs up her kids and they move to New York and shows up on his doorstep. And he is actually cool with it because she like dotes on him and does everything for him. But she he tells her that she can stay, but the kids have to go. Chris, she drops her children off at the Salvation Army. Oh, my God. They're still pretty little. I don't remember how old they were, but they were like two and four or something. Yeah. That does sound like something Lucille would do. Yes. But so, but she decides that she would rather be with Raymond. And so she gives up her children. So then he kind of lets her in on, hey, this is what I like to do. You want to kill some people? (laughs) Yeah. This is fun. Let's try this. And so she's like, okay, sounds good. So they both start to lure the women to the romance section and begin robbing them and murdering them. So Martha would actually pose as Raymond's sister. When they met with the girls, uh, they would go from city to city and Martha would never leave the couple alone because she didn't want them to consummate the relationship. Just like Jessica Chastain. Yeah, clanking up the stairs for the tea. Yes. She would just bust in with the poison tea. Um, Drink. <laughs> in 1948, Raymond married Myrtle Young. Uh, Together with Martha, they gave her a bunch of sleeping pills and put her on a bus home to Arkansas. So, and when she got to Arkansas, she was unconscious, like on the bus, and she died a few days later. Oh, my God. But what a horrible way to just, like, send someone off. So, I guess they, they, she married her, they married, he married her, signed over all of her stuff, and then that's how they got rid of her. Um, So, then in 1949... They were conning 66-year-old Janet Faye. Raymond wasn't supposed to be sleeping with any of these women, but Martha caught them in bed together. She went into a blind rage and hit Janet in the head with a ball-pinned hammer. Ball-pinned. You know know what I mean? Like those little round ones? Yeah. That would be a horrific death to see. Gamriel Del Toro. Clearly killed her, I guess. Well, it it almost did, and then she was still alive. Hmm. So they wrapped a scarf around her neck and they both strangled her until she died. 
Then they put her in a trunk. A trunk is in like a steamer trunk. Not, 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 they didn't have a car, right. like a fancy car trunk. And they actually hid the trunk in the basement of Raymond's sister for a little while. And she was like, God damn it, what? And they let her, they let it keep it. And then eventually they moved it to, I guess, some house that they were renting and they buried it in the basement and covered it with concrete. Things get worse. Later, 1949, and again, this has been like the span of, like, they just tear it up. In 1949, they Are they moved, using, like, different names every time, do you think? Or? That's a good question. I, I bet they are. Um, cause, but they are going around the country. Yeah. So then they move in with a young widow named Delphine Downing and her two-year-old daughter, Raynell. And uh, Delphine is a little younger than they usually are. Now this is kind of like his Edith, I guess. I guess he met his Lucille. Right. And then this was kind of like his Edith, who was a little younger. And Delphine. She, and, yeah. Yes, and he wanted name. to sleep with her. Yeah, isn't that a nice name? Mm-hmm. And then her daughter's name was Raynell, R-A-I-N-E-L-L. That was nice, too. So they give Delphine sleeping pills because she's getting upset about something. I think it's maybe because the, the sister was around all the time. I don't, re- I don't remember. But so they give her sleeping pills to calm her down. But while they do this, the young daughter freaks out and gets scared. Because her mommy won't wake up. So Martha strangles the little girl. Um, doesn't kill her, but leaves like bruises on her neck. So then they're like, well, shit. Delphine's going to wake up. And she's going to see her daughter like this. She's going to call the police. So let's just um, kill Delphine. So Raymond shot Delphine in the back of the head. Yeah. In front of their daughter. And then they wait a couple days. The baby's still there. And then a few days later... They drown the baby in a bathtub. The baby's for now? Yes. Oh. And they then bury them both in the basement of their own home. So these are shit, shit they're, people. Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yes. This is in the 40s. Like, people talk about, like, oh, back in the good old days. It's like, no, people were always evil. Yeah. They're always doing evil things. So then they go to a movie a few days later. When they come home, the police are there because the neighbors have called and said that they haven't seen Delphine and Rennell. They are accused of 20 murders. They're able to link them to 20 murders all around. But they're only convicted of one. So so how this works is like, so the murders of Delphine and Rennell were in Michigan. And there's no death penalty in Michigan. So they were extradited to New York and tried for the murder of Janet Faye there. And so Raymond actually, he wanted to be tried in Michigan, obviously, because there's no death penalty. I think kind of backfired on him. He was trying to like confess to more murders in Michigan. Uh, we don't know if it was true or not, but they were like, no, and extradited to New York. So they were sentenced to death by electric chair on August 22nd, 1949 in New York. And the sentence was carried out on March 8th, 1951. Raymond's last words were, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? And Martha's last words were, My story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. I am not unfeeling, stupid, or moronic. I am a woman who had a great deal of love and always will have it. Imprisonment in the death house was only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. Which is kind of the same kind of speech she gave. Very much on point, yeah. This is probably (laughs) one of my closest uh, sort of true crimes to the movies. Yeah, it is, isn't it? To me, I mean, it's... Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it's the same M.O. And 
it's they're not brother and sister, but they she poses right. the sister. Yeah, I mean, I think when I first saw the movie, I thought that was going to be what it was. Like they were just posing as brother and right. sister. Oh. But no, they were really were. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Guillermo based the movie a little bit on that story. Yeah, I wonder. We'll probably never know. Never know, but we should definitely watch that. And so the one, so one of the things about Martha is that she was conventionally unattractive. Like she's overweight, and whatever her glandular issue was, um, I don't think she had the greatest skin and hair, you know. So, but then in the one movie, she's played by Selma Hayek. So I don't. I guess they decided to make it like sexy, yeah. clearly. And then um, I think uh, Jared Leto plays the guy. And the guy was, I think he was supposed to be kind of, because he was like Spanish, you know, so he was, women found him exotic. Yeah. And so it was, it did kind of baffle people why, why they, they were, were together. together. But then also they were extra mean to her because of how she looked. Not, I mean, she deserved every bit of it <laughs> because she was so yeah. evil. Well, but, maybe that's why she became that way. Then. Yeah, that's, that was definitely had things to do with it. But then also, like, I think I was, I read something else about, like, women weren't, sentenced to death and there had been many women before who had murdered murdered their own children and none of them were given the death penalty and so they were saying probably because of the way she looked they didn't you know they weren't as lenient on her burn martha burn <laughs> <laughs> got t-shirts ready yeah. all right so first thing come find us on facebook our facebook group sometimes groups are better follow us on twitter at sometimes dead four Follow us on Instagram at Sometimes Dead Podcast. Yeah, and it occurs to me we're always you know saying to recommend you know movies that maybe we haven't discussed yet. Well, obviously, but also you know if you know of some good true crimes that you think Kristen would be into. Yeah, not that she I'm sure hasn't already thoroughly <laughs> researched them, and, um, but that's that's a good you know hot tip too, and some movies to maybe go with them. Yeah, um, yeah, or try me do the opposite and give me a true crime, and we'll see if we can find a movie that goes yeah, with it. That's a good idea. Yeah, start with the true crime. Yeah, add the movie. Don't at me because I'll get scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also go on to iTunes and review. Yes, rate and review. Yes. But yeah, Crimson Peak. Um, it's, we'll a, see. it's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Good time. All right. Well, I guess then we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks. Good night. Bye. I just cut that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think it's literally falling apart <laughs> as the episode ends. <laughs>